You are listening to Excess Advantage, a podcast dedicated to the Genesis RPG by Fantasy Flight Games. The Excess Advantage podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at excess-advantage.com. And now your host, Christopher. Hello, and welcome to Excess Advantage Season 2, Episode 2. Nemesis's Nemesis Nemesi, something like that, part three. The last two episodes in this series was just describing and talking about the various types of adversaries, but today is when the rubber meets the road. I have with me Scott, aka Drainsmith, and we're going to actually be building adversaries right here and talking about why we're doing what we're doing, the reasons behind the numbers, and all of that fun stuff that a lot of people who aren't used to making adversaries might find very useful. So Scott, say hi. Hello. And tell us a little bit about yourself if if you if you don't mind tooting your own horn. Oh, okay. So uh you guys probably know me as Drainsmith, that's what Christopher just said. Probably use a lot of my stuff. I make a lot of documents for everyone to use, uh combat summaries, GM screens. Uh I've uh put together all of the various adversaries into one document across all three books. All the talents are in their own document. I put all this stuff together to make your life playing Genesis as easy as possible. Even have my own setting. Uh, it's a modern horror setting called Something Strange. And we'll definitely leave a link to that in the show notes. How can people find you, Scott? Well, let's see. So I am the admin of the uh, the main Genesis Facebook group, as well as the Shadow of the Beanstalk main group, where Christopher assists me as a moderator. You can also find me on Reddit as you, Drainsmith. I'm also Drainsmith on the FFG forums and Drainsmith hashtag 0001 on Discord. 0001, the very first, the original, the only right. Drainsmith. Since we have nothing else, uh, we'll just go ahead and move into actually creating a few adversaries around here. And since you are the guest of honor... One thing I did want to mention is that a lot of what we're going to be doing now are for more specialty or niche adversaries, because if you want just a random street thug, just take a human archetype, give it the appropriate gear, and call it a day. Sometimes the easiest thing is just take what's been given, tweak one or two abilities, take away or add a talent maybe, and that's really all you need to do. It's for the things that are a lot more esoteric i guess is a good way to put it that you're going to want to delve deeper into the who's and what's and why's because the difference between a a stormtrooper whether in a world war ii game or in a star wars game is the description of their gear not necessarily any mechanical anythings because they're still minions they still have guns they still have armor and that's pretty much it feel free to just take an existing humanoid give it the appropriate gear and call it something else, and you're pretty much good to go on that front. But for the more difficult or unique things, that's when you're going to want to delve deeper into the um, adversary creation rules. And with that, I will hand it off to Scott to make the first minion. Yeah, Uh, before I want want to piggyback on that a little bit. The whole reason I made the the adversary anthology where we collect all the, the adversaries together um, and so you can do exactly that. You just have this this document. You can just grab any one of these things, rename it, and that's your thing. Just go. You can even, in a lot of cases, mix genres, like taking stuff from Realms of Terranoth, 
using it in Shadow of the Beanstalk by just renaming a little bit, a little bit, you know, okay, this this uh, this knight has a sword, but maybe you know it's a monofilament knife instead in, in Shadow of the Beanstalk. The numbers pretty much match up the same, and away you go. And I'll be honest, in my home game that I run every other Monday, that's pretty much what I do. I'm like, okay, Scott's got this awesome document. I'm just going to flip through. Oh, that looks close enough. I'm going to use it. Awesome. I only make NPCs myself from scratch when I really need something unique. All right, so take it away, Scott. All right, so let's see. So my first adversary I'm going to do today, for my Something Strange setting, I have uh, I've been taking a lot of urban legend monsters, the things that everyone you know has talked about, heard about, have blurry photos of, and I'm turning those <laughs> into, into real monsters uh, in the game that my players have to deal with in whatever way. My minion I have is the ever-famous jackalope, Ooh. which in my description is called this definitely totally real creature. The jackalope, if you're not aware, is, is a, a regular desert hare but it has uh, the antlers of a deer, or an antelope, right? Jackrabbit slash antelope. That's um, the jackalope. Right. They originally came from uh, taxidermists would just, you know, mix and match some parts, put it on a, on a plaque and hang it on the wall and, you know, trick kids and, and other tourists and stuff. So for, but for my game, I made them a real thing. And so what is the jackalope? Think about that a second. It's basically just a rabbit with some antlers. Just a dangerous rabbit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a minion, so they're going to be in a little group. You're going to have a colony of jackalopes. The jackalope itself, pretty weak, so my jackalopes are pretty weak. I started with ones all the way across and then decided what's going to actually go up from there. And that's really based on the kinds of skills I wanted to give them. They're not strong, so definitely a brawl of one, but they're going to be fast, so I gave them an agility of three. They're not smart because they're animals, so <laughs> intellect of one. But they are prey animals, so I gave them a cunning of two. That makes sense. They're going to probably have a pretty good vigilance because also they're prey animals, right? So they're going to be always on the lookout. So vigilance needs to be pretty good. Uh, so I gave them a willpower of two because that's what vigilance is based on. Mm-hmm. And they don't do a whole lot of talking, so presence of one. But they're so cute. They are cute, but you know they, they don't really try and convince you of anything. And uh, they're, they're not going to let you pick them up. Yeah, they'll probably just kick you in the face instead. Well, they're going to stab you with their horns. Oh, that too. Yeah. Okay, so first off, we give them some skills. If, if someone's going to be fighting them, they're going to need a little bit of a brawl skill. I give them some stealth, because again, they're a prey animal. And then mm-hmm. also vigilance, because of the prey animal. So they don't have a high brawl, but they do have a good agility. So attacking isn't going to be that great, but... They're going to be pretty fast with their attacks. So I gave them one of the talents, custom talents from my, my setting, which is based on one of the Realms of Terranoth talent that lets you, make, lets you use agility to make a brawl attack. Okay. So I give them that first, so they can use their three agility for their, their brawl attack. Um, next, I come up with a, a custom ability for them that lets them automatically add a success and an advantage to their initiative checks. Ooh. Because they're a prey animal. They're always on the lookout. They're always scared. They're always trying to figure out what, where's the danger coming from. So, so that's what they've got. Okay. Then um, for their equipment, they, of course, are going to be attacking with their antlers. And uh, I gave them a damage of four for their antlers. So if they hit you, it'll, it'll wow. at least go over the basic soak that most people are going to have of a round three. 
Well, if they succeed, that's going to be a base damage of five because you need at least one success. Right. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt, but remember, it's it, they, they all work in a group, and your normal soak is around three, so they should do two wounds about 50 to 60% of the time. Yeah. That's the idea there. Okay. Um, if I may, mm-hmm. uh, four damage from Jackalope Antlers seems a little high. Have you thought about doing a lower damage and adding Pierce? That's a good idea. Because they're by themselves, they're not very dangerous. It's just they've got really pointy horns. I mean, personally, I would do a damage two with Pierce one or two instead of because a, a raw four damage just seems really high to me for an animal of that size. It's a good point. I can make that change. And really, for almost every PC they're going to fight against, it's going to be the same outcome. Yeah, exactly. It all maths out the same. So. Ultimately, it doesn't matter, but, but how does it feel? Yeah. I mean, to me, it feels better to have low damage, high pierce, as opposed to just straight-up raw damage. And that single solitary brawn one bookworm you have is going to be like, oh, two damage, that's it? Okay. Because <laughs> they're not wearing any armor or anything. And so right. soak of one. It's like, all right, two damage. Reduce my soak of one by two. Oh, okay, I'm just taking three. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> All right, that's my jackalope. That actually sounds pretty awesome. So for my minion, I'm going to continue along the lines of um, animals and go with an R-O-U-S. The rodents of unusual size. Because they are large enough to be a pain in the ass, but if you're ready for them, it's not going to matter that much. They usually hunt in packs, which means that you're going to have a lot of them. And what fantasy setting or even modern day conspiracy setting is going to be complete without giant rats or giant alligators in the sewers, right? That's right. So my ROUS is, as per most minions, they have a one in all characteristics except for their strength because they're quite muscular for their size. So we're going to have a strength of two. I'm trying to think what skill is most appropriate for hunting, but that would be survival, right? Yeah which is a cunning skill, so they're going to have a strength of two and a cunning of two, um, so they can find their prey easily. And with as far as their skills go, you know, they're just going to have survival for finding the prey, brawl for eating it, and um, probably vigilance just because it's a good idea to have. And as far as equipment, just going to give them their giant teeth, which is probably going to be brawn plus two. So it's a pretty equivalent damage to your jackalopes but um i'm gonna go ahead and also throw in an ability that gives it uh plus two damage against prone targets because once you're down they can start shaking their their giant teeth and the wound back and forth and cause more damage so all unarmed attacks can knock them down so so it's always a good idea to not fall down when you're uh, fighting these things because once you're down it's hard to get back up because they're just going to be swarming you and Uh, tearing you to pieces you know kind of like zombies do and also because they have such uh, dense thick muscles and a lot of fur i'm going to go ahead and give them an armor of that gives a plus one soak so they're going to have a soak of three instead of the default two how does that sound that sounds great loving it but i think um, a very important thing to to mention right now is that especially for minions Super simple, because they're not meant to stick around. Don't give them a lot of things. If you give them any abilities or talents, make them passive. Like, you gave your your jackalope 
a passive ability that adds success and uh, advantage on vigilance checks. Yeah, you don't want to be making decisions while you're running a minion group. Exactly. You just need to know what numbers to use. And the biggest decision is, should I stay or should I go now? You know, is the, is the minion group going to stick around for a little while or are they going to try to run away? That's pretty much all you need exactly. to figure out. And so you don't want to have too much in the way of extra fiddly bits because they don't last long enough to use anything more than one or possibly two. Yeah, you just want a little bit of something that will give the sense of what they are. That's about it. Yeah. Make them a little bit unique. And because Genesis is not um, very granular like a lot of other games, the difference between a characteristic of two and three is a lot more than even the difference between, um, say, in D&D, the difference between a 12 and a 15 in your ability scores. You know, it's a lot bigger of a difference, even though it's a smaller number. So these one-off special abilities are kind of what makes this minion or this adversary or this rival different than another. So it helps make them uh, more unique and memorable as opposed to, oh yeah, it's just another strength to everything else one minion group. Whoop-de-doo. Yeah, yeah. I, I have to hit it you know, X number of times for it to die. That's, that's not exciting. No, it's not very exciting at all. But speaking of exciting, let's move on to rivals. Those are more exciting. Ooh, rivals. All right, so for my rival, um, so there's a Bigfoot of Florida. Florida has its own Bigfoot, and it's called the Skunk Ape. <laughs> the Skunk Ape? The Skunk Ape, Okay. yes. So it's like uh, people have described it as being a, uh, a smaller, stinkier version of, of Bigfoot. So it's Littlefoot. Oh, wait, that's a dinosaur. I mean, it's, my cast name is Petrie. <laughs> I love Petrie. <laughs> So the the skunk ape is a little bit bigger than a than a normal human, but no, it's not enough to make it a different silhouette. So he's still normal silhouette. So the skunk ape, what is it? The skunk ape is, you know, he's related to Bigfoot. So he's a some kind of ape, obviously a lost link in the evolutionary change of of the primates. So he's going to be, you know, pretty big, pretty strong. And I want the skunk ape to be uh, kind of a challenge for my players. So he's going to be pretty tough to, uh, to take out on his own. So starting there, I know I want uh, a good brawn. And because he's, he's so big and tough, I give him a brawn of four. Dang. <laughs> yeah, no, he, this is a strong guy. He's, he's something to be reckoned with. Uh, next up, the skunk apes uh, in their normal habitat, you know, just like the Bigfoot, don't usually want to be seen. They're actually trying to hide most of the time. Mm -hmm. So I know he's going to be having some kind of stealth skill. So I'm going to give him an agility, a pretty good agility. I'm going to go with three on the agility. Now he's just an ape. He's just a little more than a monkey. Uh, I'm giving him an intellect of one, cunning of one. But uh, he is going to have some vigilance, I know. So I'm going to give him a, a, a willpower of three. Not only is he not charismatic... As we're going to learn from some of his abilities, he is the opposite of charismatic, so he definitely has a presence of one. So, for his skills, he's definitely going to be a fighter, so I give him a, a brawl of three. Now, now down here, I, have, I gave him some resilience. I don't remember why. It just felt like he should have a little bit of resilience in case he gets poisoned, eats some weird garbage, something like that. Mm. 
garbage. Now he's out there in the wilderness all by himself, just uh, scraping by to survive, you know, right on the edge of the, of the, uh, of the wild and, and the urban areas. So he's going to have a survival, pretty good survival of three. And like I said earlier, he is uh, always trying to stay out of sight. So he has a stealth of three. And uh, he's always on the lookout for food or predators and other prey. So he has a, a vigilance of two. Now, he was supposed to be a pretty tough guy, so for his first, for his, uh, his only talent is Adversary 1, mm-hmm. so all, all of the attacks against him are going to be upgraded once. Now, the biggest thing that makes a skunk ape a skunk ape is his stink. Oh, jeez. I was so waiting for that. His first ability is Horrible Odor. Any character within short range of the skunk ape must make a hard resilience check or suffer one strain for every uncancelled failure or threat symbol. Then they have to make this check every round until they move out of range. And what was the range on that again? Uh, within short range. Wow, that is... So if you're going to get up to him and fight him, you've you got to hold your stomach. Or hold your breath. Or hold your breath. And if he's coming at you, you're going to know he's coming at you. Then to uh, play on his, his stealth ability a little more, um, he has a natural camouflage. This ability I took from one of... There was a, a Realms of Terranoth adversary that had this. That I took, it took it from the natural camouflage. Any character attempting to spot the skunk ape while it's in its natural environment, such as a forest or similarly wooded area, adds three setback dice to their perception check. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so those are his abilities. And for equipment, he just has his powerful fists. Just a regular brawl. Give him a damage of six. So he has a plus two to his, his brawn. Mm-hmm. And has regular knockdown. He's a tough hide, so it gives him a plus one soak. And then um, uh, his stench, I'm saying, actually gives him a plus one melee defense as well. Very nice. Yeah, because when you're that close, whew. Yeah, you, you don't even want to touch him. Like, what is, what is even making that scent? Yeah, that's, that's actually a really good way of uh, doing that. There you go. There's the skunk ape. Very cool. Um, what's uh, their wound threshold look like? Oh, yeah, wounds. Uh, he's got 15 wounds. Okay. And with that, that Soka 5, uh, it takes, takes a bit to get through him. Yeah, that, that sounds like it'd be very uh, nasty to run into in a dark alley somewhere. Yeah, that's exactly where they ran into this gun cape, was in a dark alley. Oh, nice. Yeah, they escaped by throwing dynamite. Because that never goes wrong. Oh, it didn't go right for them at all. Excellent. They made the local paper. Oh, even better. And I'm assuming yeah. this is a um, modern day people don't believe in. Exactly. And so they, they just got put on the paper for using dynamite on a random building. Well, yeah. So they don't, the, the police still don't know who it was. Okay. So there's, there's an ongoing investigation. But they think it's a terrorist plot of some sort. They don't know what happened. <laughs> you know, the townspeople may be crying some things. So we'll explore that in some future sessions. That's the way to do it. Alrighty, so for my rival, I'm actually going to um, start going the opposite direction and do a pixie. And everybody knows the pixies. They're really small, Tinkerbell-like creatures who are just devious and like to play tricks on people. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about Frank Black. I don't get that reference. Ooh, music reference. The pixies. Yeah, no. Someone listening will get that, and it's, that's good. Yeah, anyone who gets that, be sure to, to get in touch with Scott and let him know that the reference wasn't wasted. Just come give me a high five. 
if he doesn't hear from you, he's going to think that it's not worth using references anymore, and we don't want that. Oh, called out. <laughs> but, um, so, my, my rival is a pixie who likes playing pranks on people. The first thing we have to know is that they're really fast when they move, so obviously we're going to give them a, an agility of three. And they like to play pranks on people, so they're pretty quick on the draw, so we're going to also give them a cunning of three. Definitely a strength of one because they're the size of your hand. Don't have a lot of strength to throw around. And um, if we're going by Tinkerbell, she's very stubborn. So we'll give them um, a willpower of two. And they prefer to play pranks and less talk to people. So we can probably leave the uh, presence down to one. So agility and cunning three uh willpower two everything else ones and then i'm gonna actually jump straight down to uh special abilities because the first thing i'm gonna throw in there is that they are silhouette zero but they're so small they are always considered to be at least two sizes smaller than any non-silhouette zero target hmm. so normally a silhouette one attacking a silhouette zero you don't do any uh increases in difficulty but the pixie is so small that it's considered to be two sizes two sizes smaller even though it's only a silhouette zero nice um with that they also have a natural magical ability to conceal themselves so pixies are always considered to be benefiting from two dice worth of concealment which you can find the rules for that on page 110 basically it's a uh, two setback dice on all range combat checks, vigilance, and perception checks against the pixie, but then the pixie gets to add two boost dice to all stealth checks. And they are pretty much always have this, so they always benefit from it. Um, and with them being tricksy, they're going to have an ability to... You know, I'm pretty much mimicking spells here without actually calling them spells, because as a rival, they don't have a strain threshold. Exactly. This exactly. is how we get around that pesky non-nemesis spellcasters just kill themselves. Well, no, not really. You just have to give them an ability that mimics it. But, you know, since it's not pure spellcasting, then it's not going to be as versatile because it's just the one ability instead of having the whole suite of spellcasting. The first ability that I'm going to give them is uh, a distraction. So it's something that like they see a shadowy figure out of the corner of their eye. They're always hearing something. They're always like, did you hear that? Did you see that? But can never actually see what it is. It's going to be using their cunning as if it were a primal spell. But we'll get to skills to use in a minute. But it's, it's pretty much the curse spell. So they can make a, uh, an appropriate skill check which is probably going to be, I haven't really figured this out, this part out yet, but um, probably skill is going to be um, Skullduggery, because that makes the most sense to me. If you have a better idea, Scott, go ahead and speak up. Oh, no, I think that's perfect, yeah. But they make a Skullduggery check against a target within short range, and if they succeed, then it, it's, it's the curse ability. So they uh, remove one ability die from their skill checks, uh, for the next three rounds, or for the next hour, depending on if you're in combat or not. And then every two successes allows you to add an additional round 
Not a whole lot, but, you know, something to just kind of distract them. Um, second ability is going to be an offensive ability. If you're familiar with the, uh, the 90s X-Men cartoon, it's kind of the Jubilee thing where you shoot lots of fireworks. Nice. Because, I mean, who doesn't like shooting fireworks from pixies the size of your palm, right? So it's going to, um, it's going to be of short, again, short range because pixies are small, uh, using their range skill. And it's a normal range combat check, damage of five, stun, and it has the uh, disorient three. Mm. And the only reason why I picked five is because I think that's like those. Actually, I think damage four is the smallest that any, the lowest anything has. But I mean, five, it, it causes distractions and can cause you to stub your toe or whatnot, but it's not going to kill you because it's stun right. damage, but it's very distracting. So that's what the disorient three is for. And just like the uh, skunk moose bear, skunk ape, was it? Yeah, just like your skunk ape, it's going to have adversary one and probably defensive one, maybe two, because that would stack with the concealment. So ranged attacks would get a lot of setback dice, but there's... Because see, I'm, I'm kind of torn. Maybe you can help me out here, Scott. With them being so small, is the increase in difficulty enough? Or should I give them defense as well? Mm. It's a good question. I think it really comes down to how difficult you want to make this for your players. Yeah, that's true. You don't necessarily want to. Okay, well, I mean, this is this 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 is just this creature. I mean, it has to have this. Like, well, no, it doesn't. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Uh, it remember, these are always going to be pitted against players, and you want to have a good idea of how difficult you want to make that. And I don't know the math on it. But there's a certain amount, once you get to a certain amount of black dice, it's like almost impossible to hit. Yeah, okay, so we'll just not do um, defense at this point because, I mean, she's got the upgrade from adversary, the increase from being super small. Ranged attacks have the two setback because of the, the magical concealment. I think that's plenty. That's plenty. That's, that's, that's a hard little creature to hit. I mean, the pixie's not going to do much, but besides piss you off... <laughs> Right, and then just flit away. And that's fine. That's the other thing. So not every adversary needs to be built because they're going to engage in some kind of combat. And actually, speaking of, I think I'm also going to throw in, give her the um, tumble talent from Realms of Terranoth. The, the pixies are, you know, they're small. They flit here and there. So... Now, I, I completely 100% remember exactly what the tumble ability is, but for the purposes of, the, of your listeners, maybe you should reiterate. Yes, because I also am 100% remembering what tumble does, and I didn't have to look it up in my PDF. But <laughs> as an incidental, once per round, suffer two strain to disengage from all engaged adversaries. So it's going to cost them wounds because they don't have a strain threshold, but as an incidental, they can just go ahead and flit away. And of course... Now, what you, what you can do in, in that case is um, because you're designing that ability, you don't have to give it a strain cost. You can just say that your pixie can disengage as an, as an incidental. Uh, I like having a cost associated with it, so I'd probably um, say at the, beginning of, at the beginning of their turn, they can spend a story point to disengage as an incidental. There you go. And, of course, since they have fairy wings, that means they can fly. But, actually, they can hover, not fly, as um, 
talked about on page 100 of Genesis Core Rulebook. One of those page numbers you see all the time. You should definitely know where flying is because it gets referenced so much. Yeah, page 100. It's really easy to remember. Um, so the difference between flight and hover is that fly requires you to spend a maneuver each round to stay aloft. It's, you've got wings that you have to flap or you have to circle your target or whatnot. But um, you can move from long range to short range in one maneuver. Um, and then hover just allows you to move within medium range of the ground without having to spend a maneuver to stay aloft. Very good. So the, the, the pixies can hover. You've been listening to Excess Advantage. If you'd like to leave comments on today's show or subscribe to the community, please visit the website at excess-advantage.com. You can find the host on Twitter at C double underscore Beck. If you like what you hear and want to spread the word, please leave a review or rating on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you subscribe. It'll help others find us. If you want to join the growing Discord community, become a patron over at patreon.com forward slash excessadvantage. Thanks for listening and catch you next week. Pixies play pranks on people. Pixies play pranks on people. Pixies play pranks on people. Sorry to say that five times fast. What is, what is a group of rabbits? Um, I don't really know because rabbits are not exactly known for traveling in large groups. Burrows. They're burrows. It's a burrow of rabbits. Oh, okay. Thank you, Someone Internet. Will, uh, no, I'm probably... I'm just guessing right now. Oh, okay, because I know burrows are where they live. Right. What is a group of rabbits called? A group of rabbits is known as a colony or nest, occasionally a warren, though this more commonly refers to where a rabbit lives. A group of baby rabbits produced from a single mother is referred to as a litter. A group of domesticated rabbits living together is sometimes called a herd. Thank you, Wikipedia. Did you know there, there's a there's a real rodent of unusual size? I was unaware of this. The 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 capybara. Have you ever oh, seen the one of these things? I've heard of them. Yeah. They are bizarre. They're like giant rats. They're weird. Take a look. Um, I don't quite. <laughs> uh, but that's a tangent. So we'll we'll get back onto it. I'm totally... There it is. It's got a Y in it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Capybara. That is quite a large animal. I'm just looking at the the Wikipedia page, and there's a seagull sitting on its back. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's whack. Okay, so maybe I shouldn't do an ROUS, because that's a real thing. Well, no. I mean, these these are... They're actually not even that dangerous. Mm-hmm. They're well, They're actually kind of cuddly and weird. But well, our you know, they're dangerous. They're very dangerous. They bite people in the shoulder.